Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Unplug with Annie. Today is the finale episode of the series of Drive and I have Dave Tabane on the show today. Um, he's based in Australia. He is the perfect guest, I think, for the series of Drive because he represents everything that's driven. He's revolutionized or at least helped revolutionized the fitness industry in Australia, starting Australia's first kettlebell gym at the age of 17, um, later opening a 24-7 CrossFit faculty. Um, and he's just been a pioneer in what is essentially a saturated market and just constantly creating a niche of his own. Um, and he's just turned personal challenges into his biggest success stories. Um, he's also a published children's book author and it reached number one on the charts in Australia. He's also a motivational speaker, a successful business owner. Um, he's doing incredible work um, out there in Sydney and it's just a pleasure to have him on this show. Welcome, Dave, to Unplug with Annie. I'm so glad to have you on this, especially as our finale guest on the season called Drive, because I think it, it summarizes you uh, very well. From whatever I can see, uh, you definitely have a lot of drive, so thank you for doing this. Hey, it's great to be here, Annie. And hey, Drive, is that, I've got a high school program where I travel around Australia with high school kids, and it's called Drive, Own oh. Your Choice. We've got a book coming out in two weeks, so I love that name. Drive, wow. determination, discipline, dedication, desperation. There's five different D's that I talk about in my talks. Wow. So, um, yeah, I love that word. <laughs> so how did, how did fitness start for you? How did you become passionate about fitness? What was that moment, if you remember, uh, which was significant for you making, making the transition into fitness? Because you started so young mm. as well. Well, Annie, I, I grew up with two older sisters, and I remember that um, – we had this small swimming pool in the little country town that I come from about 500 people. Right. And I remember getting dragged along to my, my sister's swim training in the morning. It was like 6am. It's bloody freezing. And, um, and I remember that's when I started to get into um, swimming, you know, they'd throw me in the pool and I'd have to swim with them. And, and, and I, at the start, I hated it. Um, mm. Now, you know, growing up in a small country town, sport is a big part of your life. So I got into sport, but I actually didn't really like training that much. I, I love competing. I love, uh, you know, playing the sport, but training wasn't as interesting to me. Um, you know, I grew up, I, I grew up, I had a bit of an ADD issue when I was a kid, uh, which just means you have lots of energy and, um, mm. and, you know, I played lots of different sports, but anywhere it really started to change and, and form into what I do now was um, around about 16 years old. I was going through high school and I was in this program where they were, they were trying to kick me out of school. They were saying that I wasn't smart enough to go on and I wasn't best suited to the end of years, the last two years in Australia. And um, I had this high school teacher called Mark Elliott who believed in me. Um, and he pulled me aside and said, Dave, you just need to learn how to channel your energy into things that are going to serve you rather than, you know, um, you know, rather than waste your energy in what you're doing now. And I was into skateboarding and motocross. And I, I grew up idolizing Bruce Lee and Arnold Schwarzenegger and all these guys. But I wasn't really inspired by the local people that I saw when it comes to bodybuilding. You know, because it's just like looking in a mirror and biceps. And I was like, these guys had no personality. You know, you never saw any Arnolds in the gym. You know, like, so, um, so Mark actually asked me to come train with him when I was in year 10. And I, um, and I actually like brushed it off for two years. And in E12 at high school, I actually had a, um, an arch nemesis, like a bully, this kid that would always tell people at parties, and he had all these older brothers that he was going to bash me. And this was the same kid that when he first come to my school, 
who had no friends, I first introduced him to everyone to make him feel welcome. So that went on. But what I decided is I wasn't going to spend my last year in school, um, you know, having this bully get it over me. So I actually started uh, this, this new teacher come from a city and he knew Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and he come and trained. And he told me about it on a, on a bus trip to this other town for a swimming carnival. And I said, man, I love fighting martial arts and UFC just started coming out. I said, man, I want to train with you. So we started training. And then we started a club called Country Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And we started doing MMA, boxing, kickboxing, like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu on the ground. And what actually happened, Mark come and trained with us. And I really respected that Mark come and trained in our fighting style. And so what I did is I said, Mark, well, because he then invited me to come train with him. But it was all top secret because he's like a military guy. And he had mm. these kettlebells. And they were the first kettlebells in Australia. And so what actually happened was um, I went and trained with Mark and said, well, if you come to what we're doing, I'll come do your, your art. And um, I picked up my first kettlebell and, and I just fell in love with it because it was, it was a, a tool that everyone could use. You just had to, to want to improve yourself because at the time, there's bodybuilding or marathon running. This was both. Oh, not both, sorry. This, this was like in the middle where you don't have to be a bodybuilder. You don't have to be a marathon runner. It's all about being as fit and healthy for yourself. And, and where that clicked for me is I, um, my oldest sister, and this is, where, this is where it really took off because I started to see that this was a tool that my mum and my sister could use to better themselves, my family. Okay. And so I actually um, dragged my sister along and she was my first ever client and she had just finished school, got kind of pushed around, you know, um, you know didn't really, wasn't really certain within herself and confident, lucky a bit of confidence. And she came and trained and she fucking, I don't know if I can swear on this, but she kicked, <laughs> she kicked butt. And I got to see my sister come to life and her confidence grow into who she is today. And um, she was one of the strongest girls in, in my town. And there was a guy that actually gave a shit about it at work. And she turned around and said, well, what the fuck can you lift? And um, that guy, they're actually married now. And so <laughs> she, uh, they just had a, the, the son just turned one last weekend, Will. And so amazing journey. So I got to see that happen. I start to see that fitness can play such a bigger role than just looking in the mirror and aesthetics and things like that. And that really lit the fire for me. And I become so passionate about it. I got the whole town training. Um, we had the busiest gym per capita in Australia. I went from a small studio to a, um, the shed with no electricity, three bits of carpet, five kettlebells, a deaf dog named Barney in the corner and a floodlight in winter. And we used to train barefoot um, and into a studio. Now at the time, I actually had like four jobs. So I was just working all around the clock mm -hmm. to make it happen. My, my dad actually got sick at the time. So for me, it was make or break. You know, I, and that, I was actually still in high school when I started. And I actually failed English at school and um, because we had 12 teachers because my teacher got sick. So we had all these substitutes. And what actually happened was um, um, I, yeah, I failed English. And in, in Australia, if you fail English, you can't go to university. So here I am stuck in a small little town. I fail my, I get a red dot on my exam. So all my other marks basically don't, they're obsolete. They don't matter. Um, my dad at the time had a breakdown, his second breakdown. He had the first one when I was three years old, had my kidney removed because I had a birth defect. And they, they told my parents I was, I was riddled with cancer. And so, um, so that was going on. And so here I am in this little town just thinking like, 
fuck, what do I do? You know, and, and then Mark comes into my life with finding his kettlebell. So for me, it was the only option. And mm. I was just looking at like, yeah, I can go down this path of, um, you know, working all these jobs and doing all that sort of stuff, or I can have a crack at doing something I fucking love and that something's different and it's an unpaved um, kind of pathway because the day I got that red dot on my English exam, I remember looking up and on the wall was a quote by Robert Frost saying, the road diverged and I chose the path less trodden. Something mm. like that. Yeah. And um, yeah. so that's how it come about, Annie. That's a little story. There's so wow. much more to it. But for me at that point, that little shed with no fucking electricity, three bits carpet, for me was opportunity. And I fucking loved that place. Yeah. And it still runs today. Wow. 13, 13 years later, Mark Elliott still trains everyone and he's mm -hmm. a phenomenal guy. He's got like four daughters and, and um, really respectable guy that was a phenomenal mentor uh, to me at that point. Wow. So, I mean, you, you've, yeah, so you've spoken about some of the personal challenges, which actually I feel like you've answered that question for me in the sense that that really... Oh, no, no, there's plenty more. There's plenty more. There's plenty more. There's plenty more. guys, so... I created a whole program helping people overcome challenges and develop a solution-based mindset. But so yes, there's lots of challenges. So for you, is there like one which particularly stands out? Um, well, probably the um, three years ago. Um, so here I am. What, I, what happened in that little shed, I got um, training back then was kettlebells. It was all underground. There's only a few websites that taught about it. Um, you know, I used to get load up the kettlebells. I started importing kettlebells too from China very early on. I was one of the very first importers in Australia and used to travel to all towns, teach all the CrossFitters how to use them, uh, sell them, retail, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know, I was like a steam train until about 25, about 26. I was just motoring through everything, life challenges, world records, world championships, I was just like, line them up. I'm going to fucking shoot them down. And um, what actually happened, it was a time where I broke out into a, um, well, I, I sold my business at 25, which was a bit of a heartbreaking sort of thing. I had a manager at the time who I went home to do a 30-day challenge at my gym. My nan was actually dying. And my gym manager actually caught him trying to actually um, basically take, his planning a whole um a whole strategy on how to blackmail me to get my gym at, for me to give him my gym. Oh my God. So I, I come home early cause my nan was passing away and I, I basically found emails of my gym in different branding, different colors, different everything. I'm like, what the hell is this? You know? So, um, you know, in, in that point I then had to sell the gym within two weeks. It's a small town. I didn't have anyone else to look after it. And um, I was like, you know, just on principle, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to come back here from Sydney and run this place 10 times better than I ever had just on that principle. But luckily I had a guy um, who, who took over the gym, uh, but it was heartbreaking at the time to do that. I actually got shingles the next week all up my neck and that. And, and, wow. um, and that was actually before the American championship. I was aiming to win, uh, to break a world record, but um, I didn't get the world record, but I did get the American record still. And, um, but the biggest challenge was, um, uh, yeah, three years ago I was did, I was doing a world tour for my 30 day challenge program in five countries. Um, and what actually happened the night before 
I, I was packing and it was like 10.30. I had to be up at 4 a.m. I was really tired and I was just being lazy. I went and got this pizza from this shop down the road. And I got back to my place and I bit into the pizza. And when I bit into it, the first bite, I crunched down. I was so hungry, you know, I just wasn't paying attention. I crunched down and heard this massive, crunch, like, uh, like um, yeah, cracks or whatever, crushing sound. And I spat out the pizza and I thought I'd bit on an olive seed. And I, when I spat out, there was glass all through the fucking pizza, big shards of it, right? So I'm actually missing a tooth now. And what actually happened was I broke all, all my bottom and top teeth, like cracked them all and things like that. But the next day I'm doing my fucking world tour. So I can't go to the dentist, right? And, I, and like as much as it was there's teeth and glass and shit like that, I didn't cut myself and it didn't like hurt. Like it didn't, um, it wasn't too bad instantly. It was just like the fucking teeth was bloody falling out, like uh, broken. So I did the first leg of the tour, got to New Zealand. When I was flying from New Zealand to um, uh, London, I actually got um, abscess on my teeth, right? Yeah. Now, anyone who's had a fucking abscess on their teeth, like you can't do anything about it. You've got to get your tooth fucking pulled out, which hence, oh, I'm missing a tooth. And um, what actually happened, I had it on both sides, right? Top, top and bottom. I'm lucky I only got one out. Um, and so what actually happened on that trip to New Zealand to London is I was in that much pain. I wasn't paying attention and I just grabbed some Nurofen. So these painkillers from the thing. Now I only have one kidney. Now anyone out there listening, Nurofen, two packs of Nurofen is enough to kill both your kidneys, right? Kill them like dead. Like you're dead, right? So you can kill yourself mm. on that plane trip. I took two packs of Nurofen and a pack of Penadol. Cause I didn't, I just was out of my mind. I thought like you, you could never overdose on these things. Didn't even pay any attention. So what happened is it cooked my fucking liver and my kidney and I've only got one. And so what happened from that point is I could never recover. Um, I, my recovery went out the window. My training went out the window. My energy levels went out the window. And this went on for like two or three years until I actually lost my vision um a lot yeah lost my like i was doing a workout lost my vision and i just and i was beating myself up a lot just thinking like fuck who am i now you know like world champion just fucking can't even do a workout now and can't even do a burpee like i got to a really bad place um but what it did is it taught me it made me really appreciate health but i didn't know what was wrong so i was i spent so much money trying to go to all these gurus and find all these different things and brought every supplement under the sun and all this sort of stuff. But it wasn't until I lost my vision. And then that day I got given a, a number of a Chinese medicine guy who, um, when I, so I'm sitting on the couch, can't fucking see properly. And so I called that guy, Remy, he come to my house, talked to me, did his needles and he's like, and he did this assessment. He's like, you have hot liver. And I was like, fucking liver. And I didn't even think about it. Kidney didn't even think about it. And, um, and yeah, so then I started to like look into my liver health, kidney health. And I, I met an amazing doctor in uh, Bali who was, um, goes on retreats, Dr. Verena. She's a PhD nutritionist, kinesiologist, neuroscientist, and started working with her. And, and within a couple of sessions, I actually had heavy metals poisoning and stuff as well. So, um, within a couple of sessions, I was fucking like, uh, like literally, uh, making a comeback, but there was a pretty dark three years trying to do everything, do the challenges, you know, be power man. 
um, when I didn't feel right inside. It was, and it was purely because my fucking insides were cooked. Um, so I went and did all the blood tests and my AST levels were through the roof and, and my kidney was actually uh, deficient in magnesium. And it was pretty wow. crazy shit. Wow. So um, I, learned a, I learned a hell of a lot. It really humbled me in many yeah. ways. And, you know, like I, I got, I'm like 92 kilos at the moment. I was up to 108 kilos. Wow. So I was just like this big meatball that couldn't yeah. even do any cardio, you know, it was, it was pathetic. But um. Yeah. That was probably, that was the hardest thing to continue, like to to go from this, yeah, you know, in a way to yeah. can't even do a burpee. Yeah, of was very very humbling, and I in, even in Australia I had trainers where you know I'd go work with gyms and trainers would like make fun of me because they're like, "Who's fucking power man?" Like um, in my mind, I'm like, "You just fucking wait," uh, you know. But um, yeah, it was pretty. It was super humbling. So pursuing through that and understanding this is important one for anyone out there too who's going through tough times is you don't have to be perfect to help people mm. you, you inspire people through your imperfections and your ability not to give up and to continue and to pursue and just because you're fucking injured or whatever it is or not at your best it does not mean you can't be that little bit for someone else mm. and you know and there's a famous speaker, Les Brown, um, who I love. And, and I was listening to his stuff. And Les Brown says that um, he was having a hard time because he was overweight and his health was getting to him and, and he had cancer and he was going through all this stuff and, and he was trying to recover. And he's like, man, I don't think anyone wants to listen to me anymore. I'm just not feeling myself and all this sort of stuff. You know, I'm not healthy. Look at me. I've put on all this weight and all this kind of stuff. And the guy goes to him and goes, Are you, Les, when was the last time you got paid for a fucking push-up? He's like, I don't get paid for a push-up. I get paid to speak and inspire people. He goes, yeah, well, so stop fucking judging yourself based on your fucking push-up and get out there and speak and inspire. You're wasting your fucking time. And, and that was a funny thing. So, um, yeah, yeah, so I never gave up through that. And in that time is when I created Powerman, the kid's book, Unleash the Hero Fin, because I really needed to unleash my own hero. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So those are the challenging time is when you lose your health, you get a, you get a, you get a harsh reality you know, I had to say, you, you get brought down to reality. Um, you, know, you get humbled a lot and things like that. But it also teaches you empathy, patience. Um, you know, you learn a lot through it. So who I am now is, is one million times better than who I ever was. Yeah. And um, yeah, when you taste the other side of life, you also appreciate the other side. So you need, you need that kind of stuff. And, and so, of course, that was, as you said, the motivation almost to start the book. But, I mean, it's amazing the impact that the book is having. And um, it, so how did, are there any more in the pipeline? Is this something that you want to continue to do now? And, um, and, and was this also stemming from the personal challenges that you faced in school, like you mentioned with the bullies? And um, yeah. was it inspired by all of these things? Yeah, so the book is inspired by real life events. So, um, so for anyone out there listening, I have this kids book called Power Man, Unleash Your Hero Within, Find Your Strength Within, uh, Discover the Courage Within, Develop the, the Determination Within, and Beat the Bully Within. There's five books, three are out, two more to go. And POW stands for Passion Over Worry, Living the Life You're Passionate About Rather Than Worrying Your Life Away. That's the adult kind of version. But for kids, it stands for Power of Words. The way you speak to yourself and others is a lot about you and your character. Right, so hurt, uh, happy people don't go out of the way to make other people unhappy. You know, 
So mm. it's what I do in that book is all based on true events. The first one was of the time where my best friend got bullied and I didn't know what to do. And I let him down initially, but I didn't like that. And I wanted to find a way to help him and be his friend and support him through that. And so we, you know, I went out and I talked to teachers, my parents, and we created a power plan. So what I do with this book, each book has a new power plan and it helps kids develop strategies around how to overcome it and go beyond it and how to turn a negative into positive and grow beyond it. And yeah, you got victimized in that sense, but you don't have to live as a victim because it's just like the snake bite. It's not the bite that kills you. It's the venom. Just like with bullying, it's not the thing that went on. It's the infection that sets in beyond it for the rest of your life. So I, I'm very passionate about reinstalling people's confidence when they've lost because I see so many good people who go through shit, challenging times or put up with bullies or you know even put up with coming from a shitty circumstance or living environment or things like that. And then that dictates their future. So I'm all about showing them how to get beyond it, grow beyond it and create your own fucking future because that's the choice that you can make. And you know, you only got one life. So um, I'm not going to let anyone dictate me to live a little, uh, belittled lesser life due to the fact that they can't even, um, how you say, they can't see the value in I because um, most likely these types of people can't even see the value in themselves. So in regards to the book, how did it start? I had a kid. It was like always this was a dream. The power thing come from the movie Step Brothers. I used to use it to psych people out when I compete. I go, pow! And everyone was like, fuck, this guy's crazy. <laughs> but what actually happened was, um, you know, that's what I used it for. I'd use it to my advantage because I was wrecked when I'd go to these uh, world championships and American championships. I was exhausted. I was working four jobs. I was fucking doing the red-eye flights over there just to get on the, on the platform. And I'm, I'm very, very lucky that I had a... Uh, 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 one of my best ever members in my gym, the person who's made a profound impact on my life, a lady by the name of Natalie Seely. Now, when I was starting my second gym where I had to outgrow the shed because my dad actually had a breakdown. And so I realized I was working every single hour of the week and I needed to go out there and actually fuck, like when you work every single hour of the week and you still are not making enough to make a difference, you've got to fucking get pretty savvy then because there's no more hours in the week. So I realized I had to go bigger and I started this little gym and I remember painting this wall and I was looking after my dad and I got this knock on the door and this lady opened up the door and I was like, Oh, you know, sorry, we're not open. And she goes, are you Dave? And I said, yeah. She goes, Dave, Dave Tabane. And I said, yeah. And she goes, are you the kettlebell guy? I said, yeah. And she goes, I want to be trained by you. And I said, Oh, look, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I'm not ready yet. You know, it's a mess, you know, like we're not here. And she pushed me to the side and pointed to a kettlebell in the corner and said, is that a kettlebell? And I said, yeah. She goes, well, move your shit. We're training. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> Natalie, I knew she was a, um, I knew Natalie was like, you know, a, a quite powerful figure in our town. And I was nervous and I started, I didn't speak like this back then. And, um, and yeah, and, and, and Natalie was my first client. And, and the crazy thing about it is that Natalie's dad actually invented the air conditioner in Australia climate technologies right so they're, they're like natalie taught me how to eat vegetables hold knives and forks drink wine communicate have conversations she was like my second mom and um she made a profound impact in my life and her dad was the one that um actually supported me going to america the first time long story short is um is the power has always been a thing um you know when i joke around with it and yell at it competing and things like that and people people would actually be put off by it or they'd laugh about it. So it's a bit of a yeah. conversation starter. And um, 
what what I had a kid in my 30 day challenge called Aiden in called Butcher. Shout out to Dave Uckerby if he's listening to this, the gym I was working with. And this kid was an artist and he never showed his artwork to anyone. Very talented kid. After doing the 30 day challenge, he lost 11 kilos and he, he drew me a fucking power man picture, made me a t-shirt and he presented it to me on day 30 and said, Dave, because of you, I found my confidence. I'm going to pursue my dream of, of being an art, a graphic designer. He's now living in America working for um, uh, one of the big adventure uh, clothing companies, oh, like wow. North Face or something. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so now that kid gave me that picture and I saw that and I was like, this is, this is my dream. This is something I've always wanted to do, but I didn't have the design sort of skills. Anyway, so I put that on Facebook, right? I put it on there and I said, Powerman is coming. It's a kid's book empowerment series, helping kids overcome different challenges like bullying, things like this. And it's coming out, right? And it, and it, and it went off. Everyone liked it, shared it, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And then I got a, wow. a phone and I got a phone call, right? And this guy called Gary Evans, who just did my 30-day challenge and lost 10 kilos, he calls me up because we're talking about another book, my 30-day challenge book, we guys that eat, think, and do over 30 days. And he calls me up. He goes, Dave, what do you bloody call me about this Power Man book? And I said, Gaz, like, fuck, it just happened. You know, I just put <laughs> it up on, fuck, this is what it is. And Gaz goes, we're, we're on. I'm fucking signing you right now because he, he was a book publisher. Wow. So he, he, only, he only had a small little bookstore down, him and his wife in, um, in Aladulla, this little country town where all the fires actually been in Australia at the moment. They had to shut it down due to the fires. Mm. And, um, and so he, he called me up and said, man, we're going to find the team. We've got the illustrator. I'm pretty sure I've got uh, my, my, wife's, um, my wife's sister um, has always wanted to be an, uh, an, uh, an author. And so she can help you write it. You just got to tell your story. and we'll, we'll put the team together. We'll make it happen. And so I fucking hang up the phone. We had a book deal. Wow. And so um, and then Nadi and I, uh, Nadi met me in Wagga. She recorded the story. I always had the story in my mind because always, it always stuck with me. And Daniel, who is stewing the book, is still my best friend today. And he made the Power Man theme song. Oh, my God. So, so that's how it started. And, and sadly, um, the book come out and it was out for a month. It got to number one in Australia. But sadly, Gary actually didn't know. But he had stomach cancer, stage four stomach cancer. And he actually died. So um, it was crazy, absolutely crazy. Like when we're talking about challenges and stuff like that, like that was just like your heart getting fucking ripped out, um, especially with this project. And so um, we got, yeah, absolutely, absolutely nuts. So um, lots of different challenges with it. Cool. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy that he got to see, um, he, he got to see it come out and the potential of it. And he actually went to the World's Kids Book Fair in Germany. That was his last trip he did in okay. Frankfurt. And he, um, he actually sold the, uh, I said, this is probably the wrong thing, but I said he sold the tits off it and everyone, everyone got on it and he had, he bought five, he got five countries, um, purchasing it. And wow. so now we're in Spanish, Cantalin, Portuguese, Brazil, Portuguese and English. Wow. So, so I mean, you've, you've talked a little bit about it with the people that you've interacted with and the relationship that you've built, um, obviously mm. on the journey, which has helped propel you towards different elements of your dream, I guess, and making different things happen. And, and how important is that? Because I think talking to entrepreneurs about relationships, I feel like it's so significant in determining whether one is successful or not in a certain way. You know, certain relationships mm. can definitely not feed you in the right directions and certain can. And, and so what would you say about 
about the relationships that you have had in your life? Ma massive. Your relationships is everything because we're humans, right? Relationships is connecting together and we're stronger together than alone. And, and um, for me, relationships are, are huge. Like for, I, I know the power of mentors coming into my life, people that have come in and literally changed the direction of my life massively you know that's fucking massive and that's why i do these programs annie because i know the power of someone coming to my school and with a different perspective and different you know showing me something different that life can be different that's what um you know the drive program my high school stuff my best friend today brad booth is a guy that come and spoke in that program that i was in where because i was getting kicked out of school everyone that come and spoke at us in that day it, they were like deaf warmed up and I was like, fuck, if this is life out of school, I, I don't want it. Like, this is terrible. You know, nobody's talking with enthusiasm, passion. No one's driven, none of this stuff. And I'm like, fuck me. You know, this is terrible. I know that I'm just not going to be like this. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be anything but this. Yeah. You know, I'll shovel horse shit and enjoy it and fucking have fun with it rather than this miserable bloody people. So yeah. anyway, Brad come in. And so, you know, I'm going to go deep on this, this relationship because – Brad come in and spoke with enthusiasm, passion. He talked about his wife, how much he loved her, his kids. He, he said, he, I work hard, I play hard too, and I get to actually spend quality time with my kids. It might not be a lot of time. I might only catch them in the bath and then go to bed because they're only young, but I fucking love it. And, you know, and, you know I, met, I race home for it, and I'm bloody – and so I've never seen someone speak with passion before like that. And um, – and that lit me up. And I was like, I don't care what fucking business he's got, what he's selling. I want some of that. And this guy, this was back at a time where I struggled with my speech, couldn't speak properly to adults, couldn't have eye contact and all this kind of stuff. And I remember going home that day and telling my dad about it. And, um, you know, my dad don't, don't, like he didn't do this on purpose or whatever. He wouldn't even remember it. But I remember chatting to him saying, oh, dad, this guy called Brad Booth, he had a really successful clothing store in our town. I said, mate, this guy Brad Booth come and spoke to us. And, you know, I, you know I'm not so much into clothes, but I'm, oh, I just want to go work with him because I was working for everyone at that time. I was a gardener. I was pushing trolleys. I was packing shelves. I was working in a washing dishes. I was working in the kitchen, doing all these different jobs. And I said, dad, I just want some of that. And dad turned around and, and um, my, my, my dad's amazing. But on this day, he said, Dave, why the fuck would he help you become successful? Nobody successful helps others, right? Mm -hmm. And now I knew as much as that hurt me, I knew that that wasn't true because Brad said, come talk to me and, and I'll help you. Like, in the, you know, any kid who wants to come and get advice. Now, that's, and I, now I know that that's purely just dad's conditioning based on the people who were successful in his life and the relationship there, and, you know, which is, you know, that's that conditioning. So as much as it hurt me and nearly brought a tear to my eye to hear that, I, um, I went against that and I, um, I went into um, my mate, this guy shop, shop Brad, right? And I'm this young kid. I had $50 in my pocket. Mum needed that $50 for my school excursion because if, we, if I didn't give her that 50 bucks, I wouldn't have gone on it. And I went into that shop knowing that Brad was going to sell me a fucking T-shirt or something because he's a good talker. <laughs> okay. All right, but I went in that shop and my goal was to try and talk to him as long as I possibly could and have him remember my name. All right? We chatted, he remembered my name and I brought a $50 fucking t-shirt. <laughs> so I walked out of that shop going, 
big smile on my face. I felt fucking amazing and I made a friend. You know, I was like, I made a business friend, you know, or whatever you want to call it, a life friend, you know, out of school. Yeah. And, you know, and I was like, oh, shit, how am I going to tell mom I don't have any money for the school excursion? So I didn't go on the school excursion. Uh, but I tell you what, the school excursion was actually where I am right now in King's Cross in Sydney. Because uh, I went on the school excursion, I got chosen to be a leader on the next one. And it was actually living on the street with the homeless for four nights. That was the excursion. I loved it. Um, and so, um, yeah, I'm actually working in the same place where we lived on the street here in Sydney for four days. So, um, yeah, shout out to Pete McPhee who uh, runs that program in our school. But, um, but in regards to relationships, to bring it back to that is, you know, in effect, Brad always told me later on in life, he's the first 13 years from 17 to 20, uh, 30, those 13 years is all about building your network, building relationships, learning how to deliver value, how to be your value, how to um, make your presence, your enthusiasm, your fucking business card. How do you get out there and do that? Because you don't have the money maybe, but you have the time, you have the enthusiasm, you have the passion. And just to be good to be around is an asset in today's world when there's so many negative people. So... So in regards to relationships, it's, 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 it is the most important thing because any there's been lots of challenges, especially in these last couple of years, because when I got sick and I had all that stuff going on, I only did the minimum to get by uh, and I was spending all my money on health stuff. So basically I had, what happened is I then started all these projects like Power Man book and all that sort of stuff because I was like, well, if I can't, if my health is deteriorating like this, I've got to create products that go beyond me. Mm. right and that's that's mm. where i build all them up so I'm, I'm i'm just happy that fucking life has given me my fucking health back you know and yeah. i fucking fall for that sucker but um yeah. but the thing was any in those tough times is when i was when i because there's so many times like i've spent all my money was chasing my health whether it was um building these projects i put everything in them and all i had any to keep me going at different times and to get myself out of out of sticky situations was my network on Facebook and Instagram. Mm. And I've launched a lot of products on Facebook and Instagram to my network where um, they have provided me with the cash flow to then continue on the project, the tours, all that kind of stuff. Cause I'm all in. Yeah. Um, that's interesting because I feel like as a, so as a freelancer generally with, with anything, um, uh, but fitness also is a space where it's difficult to, I suppose, stand out and, and have a niche, um, if you like. But I think with freelancers, sometimes our Achilles heel, if you like, or, you know, something which goes against us is relying on other people to sort of give you the work and not, mm. not, not really being in that space where you're constantly creating because you, 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 yeah, you're sort of, you know, lost. And then when, when you're told like, oh, just start something, you just think, okay, how, where do I start, mm. you know, at what point, <laughs> what, what would your advice be to, to people in that boat? Like just, you know, they have, they have something they want to do. They have this vision, but they're just like, I just don't know how I'm going to accomplish that. All right. So very interesting one that you say that sort of stuff. So, um, a, as a freelancer, having other people dictate your hours and things like that mm. to you sucks, right? Yeah. So what I did is I created things that would a bring in things for me, money for me and be of value to people. Mm. But what I then did 
is until I could build up at different times is I realized that, hey, there's about 10,000 gyms in Australia. I can not only do this program for myself, but I also can do this program in 10,000 gyms. Mm. I can make them money, help them get more members, help them deal with their stress and levels, help them run a better business for their, you know, for themselves, their family, their members. So what I then did is I found people that need my enthusiasm, my knowledge, my creativity, and all that sort of stuff. And then I took over the marketing channels of those businesses and said, Hey, Annie, you've got the gym. You've been working hard. I'm in here as your wingman to help you grow your business. And I'm, I'm going to put all my money into it as well. And I'll give you the profit. I'll give you, I'll split the profits with you. Mm. So basically what I do is make micro investments in gyms, run Facebook campaigns and things like that. I, I know all these strategies on Facebook. I go, Annie, Let's go into this together. I'll do it all. All you got to do is fucking give me the thumbs up and, and we wing off each other. I promote you, you promote me. We help your members get better results mm. and we work together for the month and then you learn it all. You can do it all yourself or you can get me back next time. There's just some simple structures there and in today's world with Facebook and Instagram and lots of stuff, you can do incredible things um, on those platforms and um, yeah. yeah, I've got about bloody 10 products or programs and shit that Wow. That I'm only taking a little bit more serious now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you definitely continue to like set a benchmark, I think, and continue to push uh, to your best constantly, I, I, I feel. Uh, what is like one of the, in conclusion, I guess, would be what is left for you to do? What, what still excites you and what continues to drive you in everything that you're doing? For me, it's um, completion of these projects. What, what really has eaten away at me a lot is having things half done or still in the works and, you know, not getting it to a level where then you can really push it, you know, like mm. um, the build phase is one phase, but then you've got to sell it. You've got to get it out there. You've got to create the value. You've got to help people. So there's no point sitting here with all this knowledge of what I think can happen and not actually fucking get out there and do it. So let me tell you this, last year alone, I drove, I, I spent over 151 days driving long, uh, five to six hours per day for 151 days last year, getting that book out into communities. Now that actually cost me more than I made from the fucking book, right? <laughs> yeah. The thing is though, is the people I've met, the relationships, the kids I've fucking helped, and if I'm serious about it, and this is where I challenge anyone out there, if you're actually serious about fucking helping people, empty your fucking bank accounts and get out there and do it. I shouldn't be pointing at everyone, but I'm like, if you're real serious, how fucking serious are you? Yeah. Because you know, everyone's sitting in their safety net or whatever it is. And I tell you, when you empty your fucking bank account, you get creative. <laughs> like, and like, you know, you get real creative. You yeah. go, I get, fuck, what? You know, I'm going to do something. <laughs> and, and, you know, like I don't say that you want to live in that state always, obviously, yeah. but especially when you're young and you, if you can do it and, you know, obviously, or not can, like, you know, if, like, you know, it's the toughest thing really any, um, I'll, I'll be honest with you is, you know, the times when I've gone all in, right. And the return hasn't been instant or, you know, as much. And, you know, um, you know, I did a lot of personal development courses and before I got sick, I was fine. I was affording all the cash flow and paying the courses, spent like 150 grand on different programs over the course of three years. 
it's good when you're moving and you've got cash flow, but if you get sick and you've got all the costs, you're up shit creek. And so that was what happened to me. Mm. And I was in, um, you know, so, and the thing, the saddest thing, the other thing that hurt me the most is, you know, my parents aren't in a position to help me out in that sort of state, in that way. And they have, they've actually helped me out in every, every fucking dollar they possibly can they've helped me out with over this time. So I really appreciate that. But that was probably the hardest thing because, you know, I don't, I don't mind having to front up to a, a conversation with a bank manager telling me that I'm bankrupt. I go, fucking, that's not a problem. It's unemotional. But to do that to my parents because they're bankrupt or they don't have any money or, or they lose their jobs or whatever it is in our little town, that's the shit that gets me and drives me. So the big thing that, you know, that really has been firing me up lately in that sense is, you know, um, you know, we all have excuses, we all have problems, not so stuff. But at the end of the day, do I want to go have that conversation with my mom that I'm fucking broke, can't pay them or whatever it is because they've loaned me some money and stuff over the time? Do I want to have that conversation with my mom? And the answer is no. So there's two fucking directions. There's chat to mom about that or there's the other thing, path where I fucking make it, create it, fucking go out there and, 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 and do whatever I need to do. You know, in my talks, you know, I used to talk about um, people say, how do you stay motivated? I say, fuck motivation, get desperate. And not desperate and dumb like your friends get at the pub on a Friday night, but desperate and driven enough to do what it takes, not just for one day, one week, one month, one year, but until you fucking make it work. That's the attitude. Just like when you got your kids and they're learning to walk and they fucking fall down, you tell them to get up, Johnny, fucking get back on your feet and you do it a hundred fucking thousand times. And the same thing has to be done with you when you're going after your goal and shit like that. Because when we get to our deathbed, my nan's dying at the moment, right? I see what happens when you're on that deathbed. You can't fucking move. You can't get out of it. When I get to that point, I don't want to sit there and go, yeah, I could have done this or fucking, you know, I thought about this. I'm getting there going, hey, what a fucking ride. And uh, hey, it might not have been a, biggest seller in the world or book whatever it is but fuck what a fun time i had traveling all those schools and things like that you know so there's a bit of a quote that says live full die empty so i'm really big on that and i'm not saying that you always have to do the hardest way or whatever it is but right now if you've got time you've got energy you've got passion all that sort of stuff is fucking get out there because if you want it you got to go out there and fucking fight for it because there's uh, no one's going to hand it to you because they're not even handing it to themselves. There's no one just giving out free dollars, free opportunities. Well, there is free opportunities because a lot of people aren't fucking taking it. And a lot of people aren't seeing the opportunity these days. They're, they're thinking that the, the money in the bank account is the only opportunity that exists. You can build relationships with people. You can go out there and build networks, help other people promote. Your gym, for example, anyone listening, you want a free fucking gym membership, you just take photos of all the trainers and tell them how awesome they are. Bring your friends and then go, hey, give me, a, um, give me a deal. If I bring five friends, give me a free membership. And every single gym, especially in today's world of social media, I love that shit. Yeah. So you get a free gym membership. You do that at your local cafe. Next thing you got free fucking food. No, I appreciate it. And likewise, when I come over to London, we'll hang out. And, yeah, um, I'm I really well, thank you so much for taking time out and, and chatting with us. And um, yeah, just, just yeah, <laughs> keep at it. And I'm sure you will. Um, so look forward to seeing what else is in store for you. 
And that was the end of the finale episode of Drive. We're starting a brand new series next week called Release. I'm thoroughly looking forward to sharing this with all of you. It's been long pending. And until that happens, you can stay tuned with everything Unplug with Annie on the IG and Facebook page, as well as the website www.unplugwithannie.com.